This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by supporters at PayPal, Patreon, YouTube, and Unfound's gracious advertisers. Judith Ann Hyder was a 53-year-old from Garland, North Carolina. She was the mother of two daughters and a forklift operator. On December 7, 2015, Judith was supposed to meet a friend about moving. She never arrived. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. I can easily understand how many of you, after listening to Unfound for as long as you have, might be a little leery about the romantic relationships you are in. On this podcast, we talk a lot about boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, and exes doing a lot of bad things. Well, at least that's what we suspect. However, I would say we all might want to be a little paranoid about the platonic connections in our lives as well. What do I mean? James Walker disappeared while allegedly shopping with some longtime acquaintances. Chelsea Cobo disappeared after being dropped off to meet people she met through rehab. Sky Burnley was in a car with people he knew well, and they say he just walked off. Nicholas Shin was hanging out with some buddies at an apartment, and they say he also just walked off. And I could be here for five more minutes listing disappearances like these ones that we've covered on Unfound. Well, with Judith Hyder, she lived with some people she had known for most of her life. Then she disappeared from their shared place with no explanation. What exactly happens in the friend zone? And now a summary of the case. However, this disappearance is not on the Charlie Project, but it is on NamUs. Judith Hyder graduated high school but did not have any higher education. Instead, Judith got a good-paying job at a Walmart warehouse where she was a forklift operator. She had two daughters— but a horrible accident changed everything. Judith and another forklift operator wrecked into each other, and Judith severely injured her knee. Although she would eventually walk again, Judith would always have a limp. This limited her work opportunities, and she had to go on disability. This then combined with a divorce and her daughters living with their father. 
However, Judith found a couple of friends who took her in, and at the time of her disappearance, Judith was actually looking to move into her own place. So, on the afternoon of December 7th, 2015, Judith was due to meet a woman who was facilitating her move to a place closer to where her youngest daughter lived. Judith never arrived. Calls to her phone went unanswered. Then, that night, one of Judith's roommates, Jenny, a longtime friend, messaged Judith's youngest daughter asking if she had heard from her mother. The daughter had not. Judith was never seen again. The next day, searchers found her car just a quarter mile down the road from where Judith lived. The car had been parked behind an abandoned house. There were no signs of violence inside or outside of it. Later, a friend of the roommates said Judith had dropped him off at his house earlier on December 7th due to his truck not starting. I'll remind you of the statistic right now. 80% of violent crime in the United States is committed between people who know each other, whether that be through romance, friendship, co-workers, whatever. I want you to think about why that is as you try to answer these three questions during the interview. Number one, should the date for this disappearance actually be December 6th? Number two, Why is it still unknown whether the roommates saw Judith's car in their driveway on the morning of December 7th? And number three, is the story about Judith dropping off the roommate's friend believable or not? Judith's family certainly believes foul play occurred. The guest for this episode is Judith's youngest daughter, Taylor Andrews. Unfound News. The Unfound Merchandise Store is now open. You can find it at unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. A longtime listener and experienced online business owner is running it, and I could not be more excited. Please check it out. You may just find something you like. Next, last week I sent out a survey to all listeners on the email list. If you're on the list, did you get it? Did you answer it and send it back? And if you're not on the list yet and would like to take part in the survey, contact me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Unfound may soon be going outside of North America to cover its first disappearance in Australia. I hope we can make it happen. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the daughter of Judith Hyder, Taylor Andrews. Taylor, welcome to Unfound. Hey, thank you for having me. Let's start here. Uh, Let's talk about uh, your family. Of course, you are Judith's daughter. Uh, Does your mother have any other children? Uh, why don't you just talk about a little bit about the, the family dynamic before we get into your mother specifically. Of course. Um, so I am uh, one daughter of two. Um, we lived with our mother for several years and then ended up living with our father um, after that. And then now we're all grown up and everything. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was just a normal family 
for the most part, out in a small town in the country. So. Okay, and of course this disappearance is in North Carolina, and you live in North Carolina as well. Yes, sir. Okay, and you have a sister. Is she older or younger? She's older. Uh, how close in age are you two? Um, we are four years apart. Four years apart. Okay, and... When you both of being the, both of you are women and your mother is missing, would you say each of you uh, share a lot of qualities with your mother, personality, interests, or would you say that you're maybe quite different than your mother? What would you say? Um, I think we both have certain things that um, definitely could say that we're like our mother. My sister looks a lot like my mother. Hmm. Um, and then I think I have a lot of her personality and things like that. Um, but we each have that caring and loving nature that my mom has. So that's always a good thing to hold on to through all of this. Right. Sure. Of course. Of course. And you just say that you lived with her for a while. Uh, did your parents uh, get divorced or what happened? Um, so my parents actually uh, were divorced from when I was a baby. Hmm. Um, so I, honestly, I don't have any memories of my parents living together or being uh, okay. married. Okay. Um, but I don't remember when exactly or anything like that, but my sister did have a few years of that for herself, so. <laughs> right. If you were a baby, she would have been four years old. Maybe she kind of remembers something of that time, right? Maybe. But Yeah, maybe. Very, you know. talk about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course. Okay, and so you uh, they got divorced when you were a baby, and we know that she was 53 years old uh, when she went missing in, in uh, 2015, so she would be uh, approximately 60 now. So, um, so you have a sister. Uh, did she ever want any sons, do you think? Um, I've never really thought about that, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. um, she's always loved us unconditionally, mm -hmm. and... Never really said anything about that. So. Okay. All right. Sometimes that comes up. All right. In, in interviews that I do with uh, parents of missing uh, children or children who have parents who are missing, we sometimes hit upon that. Okay. Well, let's uh, just talk about your mother then a little bit. Um, what do you remember about each said personality? Maybe similar to yours. What was she into? What was her work? And we'll get into some issues, but just... Judith, as a human being, what kind of mother was she? How would you explain all that? Um, well, to start, she was, I was a mama's girl, so I loved my mom to death. <laughs> um, so I was always with her, never failed. I always called her, always, when, we were, when I was a child, I would always be right beside her. Um, and she was just, she was an amazing mother. And um, mm -hmm. as far as personality goes, she's, always been the loving kind and she'll do anything she can for you and um i remember she used to sing me to sleep every night because she used to actually play in a band when she was younger wow and um she played guitar piano i think something else but i can't i think it was the banjo if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. um so she was musically inclined and everything so i always hold on to that yeah. um especially uh you are my sunshine is one of her songs that she would sing to me so yeah um but she was like I said always one of those people that she would do anything she could for you as long as she could and, um she loved me and my sister and my aunt and everybody that was around her 
mm-hmm. unconditionally. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should ask you that. How many uh, siblings does your mother have? How many aunts and uncles do you have? Um, I have one aunt, and then I have an uncle that, unfortunately, I have not met in person before. Oh. Um, he lives in Virginia, but um, that was some family issues that I'd rather not get into. <laughs> okay, we don't have to touch upon that. All right, so she had a sister and a brother, and then she, in turn, had two daughters. Okay, what about uh, her education? What about work? And we're going to get into this accident and some of the things that happen here eventually, but... Uh, maybe going back to when she was in maybe her 30s, was she working, Uh, what was she doing education-wise, what'd she do, and all that? Um, I know she graduated from high school, but I don't, she never did any college or anything like that. Okay. Um, And then as far as work goes, um, she, in her 30s, I know that she had, at that at that time, she was, I'm sorry, I'm trying to put everything together here. It's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was around that time that she would have had me. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was working at Walmart Distribution at that time, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Okay. And what other she kind of work did she, <laughs> yeah, and what if she worked other places, maybe you can bring that up now. Besides Walmart, any place else that comes to mind? Um, well, after Walmart, she was disabled, so she'd have, oh. like, part-time jobs here and there, um, mm-hmm. but nothing too serious or anything like that. Okay, so, she, and we're going to get to this accident, so, uh, after this accident, she was really limited in physically what she could do. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's, um, in what year, maybe I should ask you this, being that, um, I guess you ended up living with your father eventually. What year and how old were you when that happened? And maybe we need to talk about why that did happen. Was it because of the accident or was it because of something else? Um, I was in, I think I was in eighth grade. So what would that make me, like 15? Okay. Um, yeah. It was just a matter of um, financial stuff. Um, she was having trouble... Um, paying for some stuff, of course, with being disabled, that happens. Yeah, right, um, sure. So my dad actually bought the house that they had built together when they were married from my mom, and ultimately we had to decide if we wanted to stay with my dad in the house or uh, live with my mom in a new house. So we had to make that very hard decision, of course, uh, and um, yeah. we did end up staying with my dad, and... It was a tough decision. Right, right, sure, of course, (laughs) of course, of course. And so when you were being raised, uh, your mother uh, ended up, we're going to get into her living situation, but at that time uh, she was living by herself or or what? Yes, sir, she was living by herself. Um, There was only a couple times that I can recall that she was living with someone that she was currently dating, Um, Mm -hmm. but... Most of the time, she was living by herself, yeah. Okay. So would you say that your mother and father, even though they got divorced, they were cordial? Yes. We, I've oh. never seen them argue or anything like that. All right. So when your mother, even though you're, you were living with your father, anytime your mother wanted to see you, you could, she could come over, you could go over there. It was very flexible. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Let's move on to this accident and how she became, became disabled because this kind of does play at least a little bit into the situation she was in in 2015 when she went missing. What exactly happened with this accident? Um, so with the accident, um, she was working at Walmart Distribution, and uh, she was a forklift driver, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I was, of course, young when this happened, so mm-hmm. forgive me if I leave out some details. <laughs> okay. Um, I just know that she was driving one of her forklifts, and um, somehow she got caught in between another forklift while she was driving, and it caught her leg. Um, in between them and threw her from the forklift and she has had several surgeries of course for that um, and ultimately a knee replacement because of the injury oh my goodness so it's just some sort of freak accident really really freak accident yeah well what wow like i said it was it was a long time ago so i don't remember a whole lot about it but Mm. i do remember when it happened and her being on crutches and stuff like that so so somebody else was driving a another forklift as well. Yes. And it was kind of they were passing and just something got caught. Um, I think they actually backed into each other, or oh, the wow. other person had backed into the side of her. Um, oh, something along those lines, and it just happened to catch her leg, and mm-hmm. that was it. <laughs> okay. Did she, uh, of course, she probably went on workman's compensation, but did she get any sort of settlement from that? Was it anything like that or or not? Um, she did get a settlement. Um, she was getting payments from that every so often up mm-hmm. until she disappeared. Okay. Um, so that was another way of her income, income, of course. Okay. And when did this happen? What year was that? Oh boy. <laughs> how old were let's um, just say how old were you at the time, do you think? Um I think I was maybe five or six. Uh, pretty okay. So this happened like twenty years ago, maybe? Early two thousands? Um I wanna say it was like around nineteen ninety eight, something okay. like that. All right, so uh, like twenty five years ago then. Okay. Yeah. All right, and how would you say that uh, your mother mentally handled this? Obviously, the physical part of it very difficult. How did she handle the mental part of not maybe being able to do what she used to be able to do? Um, I would say that it, it affected her a lot, uh, mm-hmm. especially from being able to go from taking care of yourself and, and walking normally because she did have a limp after this, of course. Yeah. And staying at home, of course, because you weren't able to work and, it was definitely a change. Um, of course, with me being so small, it was hard for me to understand that. Yeah. But looking back on it now, I can definitely understand where that was coming from. And then you also have to put into consideration the pain that she was always in right. because of sure. the injury and things sure. like that. So. Sure. And you said she re- uh, eventually got a knee replacement. Yes. Okay. Um, that was several years after the accident. Mm. Um, but she did have a replacement done. Okay, my sister just got her knee replaced within the last uh, month and a half, so I know a little bit what like that's like, but that surgery has come a long way maybe since the time your mother got it done. Probably. Well, I think it's been at least 10 years-ish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah, it, it's a surgery where it once, it, you know, you were in there a couple days. I think my sister's 
uh, was like in and out procedure in a few hours or something. It's just amazing how that's changed. So um, maybe that might have affected her recovery as well, your mother's recovery, Judith's recovery. Okay. Yeah, Let's move on to Jenny and Sonny Underwood. Who are they? We're just going to talk about them in general, kind of set this up for later. How did your mother know them? Um, how did she end up living with them? What can you say about them just in general? Um, so I've known Sonny and Jenny Underwood since I was young again. Um, they had always been friends to my mom, and uh, we would go and um, hang out at their house, play cards and Uno, and um, Sonny is actually very good at guitar, and he would play his guitar, and my mom would sing, and sometimes I would sing, <laughs> and uh, they were, of course, growing up, always a part of our life, and were always around, and um, that ended up taking my mother in after she actually had broke up with uh, her boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. I needed somewhere to stay. Okay. Um, so she ended up going to live with them out in Garland. Okay. And would so would you say that these two were pretty good friends of your mother's? Would you say that she trusted them? Would you say that you trusted them? Yes. Okay. And how long was your mother living with them before she went missing in 2015 approximately? Um, it was a little over a year. Okay. And uh, we'll get into maybe some of the things that might have been going on behind the scenes. I don't know what to make of it eventually, but your perception from the outside, how was your mother getting along with them, living with them for that year? Your perception from the outside, maybe if you went over there and saw all of them together. Um, At first, everything was fine, of course. Um, Mm. It was just like old times. They would be just as friendly and everything as they always had been. Um, and then, of course, as time went on, things got a little more, um, I don't know what word to use here. They would get agitated with each other, it was mm-hmm. a little more hostile than it had been. Okay. And um, <clears throat> my mother, of course, did have some concerns and everything about uh, people going into her room. So she would actually lock her door to hmm. keep them from going in there to steal cigarettes or food or anything like that. Wow. Um, so it did become an issue and she was looking to get out of there before she disappeared okay very good thank you let's move on to this now of course being that from from this accident the pain uh she was prescribed some uh pain medication did she have any abuse issues with this medication not that i'm aware of i've never seen her um do anything illegal with them or mm-hmm anything of that nature. I just knew that she needed them and it was obvious whenever you saw her um, that she was in constant pain. Yeah. Okay. And just even since 2015, of course, we know this disappearance is over seven years old now. Uh, has anybody ever come to you afterwards saying, you know what, I think your mother might have been addicted? Because as you know, Taylor, you know, it's a big deal in the United States. A lot of people addicted to pain medication from situations just like your mother's. They've never done a drug in their life. They have an accident, they start taking opioids or something, and suddenly they're hooked. You don't believe that happened to your mother? Um, again, like I said, I know that she was in pain, mm-hmm. um, but as far as if she was addicted to them, with her being on them as long as she was, I'm sure there was some part of it that was addiction as well. Okay. Um, but it wasn't because she was 
purposely mm-hmm. wanting to be addicted to them right. because she needed them. Right, and you've never heard of her trying to get any of this medication underhandedly, illegally, anything like that? No, sir. Mm-mm. Okay, very good. Let's move on to this. Maybe just uh, at the time of 2015, maybe 2014 into 2015, how often were you seeing your mother? How often were you talking to her? Maybe your older sister as well. Um, how often were you communicating with her? Were you getting together for like holidays and on weekends? What was the kind of the relationship going on between you, your sister, and your mother at the time? Um, I know for me, um, I talked to my mom every single day. I would call her on my way to work or from work, um, just randomly throughout the day. We would text, of course. Um, and then I would see her, I wouldn't see her as often, um, due to the fact that it was about a 45 minute drive from where I was Mm. living at the time. Okay. And, um, but we would get together and have lunch when she was in town, um, Specifically, if she she did get most of her medications and see her doctors around where I was living at the time, um, and we would plan things around that. And then, um, as far as my sister, I can't exactly say how much they talked, um, but she did talk to her often. And then, as far as seeing each other, it wasn't quite as often, only because my sister was going to school and. Um, mm-hmm. things like that. She has, now she has three kids, but at the time she wow. had two, so okay. yeah. <laughs> it was a lot going of course. on. Of course. Okay. Um, all right. So you were communicating with her, calling her, really in, in touch with her, 45 minutes away. Couldn't see her maybe as much as you would have liked, but you're always talking to her, calling her. She's calling you. Okay. So you can make a good assessment of, uh, her mental state. Uh, at the time, and would you say it was pretty good? I mean, I know you said there was complaints about where she was living and everything, but how did she seem emotionally, mentally? Um, she was definitely depressed. Um, mm. She, of course, was happy when she was talking to us, um, but there was always times where you could tell that something was off. Um, she was just, she was tired of struggling and she wanted to have her own place and have her own space and everything and um she of course missed my sister and i um with us having our own lives now being adults and everything of course getting together with your mom always you have to make time for it and sometimes it is harder than others so Mm -hmm. (laughs) naturally it did take a toll on her and um just kind of feeling alone i guess has yeah. made, or did make her depressed, um, for sure. Okay. Let's talk now in general, just in general terms, about Timothy Hales. Uh, who is he, just in general? Um, Timothy Hales is a, I'm going to say, family friend of Sonny and Jenny Underwood. Um, they had explained that he was like a son to them and would stay over at the house and sleep on the couch from time to time. Mm. And um, I don't know a whole lot about him, only because I've never met him in person or been around him before. Okay. Um, Yeah. All right. And we're going to come back to him, but I just have to ask, and you're being that you were talking to your mother every day, like you said, calling her before work, after work, did she ever mention Timothy in any of those talks? Not that I recall. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think so, not off the top of my head. Okay. Would you, can you remember back at the time, being that you knew, of course, that your mother, where she was living, did you know that there was somebody else who was staying at the Underwoods once in a while? Um, well, from experience from over the years, there was always someone, um, as far as like friends and stuff, that stayed over, so it wasn't mm. anything really unusual. Okay. Um, so... To me, it was normal, but of course, I'm sure living there, it was a little different. Okay. Now, you said that your mother uh, was planning to move out. Did, did this get to the point that she actually went and looked at some places or filled out any paperwork? How far was she into this idea? Um, she was actually a couple, like a week or two out from actually moving out of the house. Hmm. And she had been approved for, it was one of the assisted living, not like a nursing home, but the low-income apartments um, to help people that don't have a whole lot of income. And it was actually close to a friend of hers that she had made when she was living um, with her ex-boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was helping, her friend was helping her come in and... Uh, get all of that taken care of, get the paperwork done, and she was just waiting on them to actually clean the apartment so she could move into it. Wow. Okay. So really, really close to her moving out. And was this going to be closer to you or about the same distance? Um, it would have been probably about 15 minutes closer to me. All right. Well, that certainly would have been nice for both of you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Definitely. So uh, she was living there over there with the Underwoods for a year. Uh, got this place, was planning on the verge of moving out of the Underwoods into this place, and that's when she went missing. Okay, let's uh, move on to this. Now, you told me, of course, we're following an outline like we do for all interviews on Unfound, but you told me that she maybe gotten a, and this is going to be relevant here in a bit, but she had gotten a new prescription. Uh, when you say new prescription, was that like a different medication, so new medication, or was just a renewal of her regular medication? And how do you even know this? Um, it was just um, a renewal or a refill of what the prescription that she had already. Okay. Um, and the, re the reason I know is um, the day the day after I found out that she had not come home, I was actually mm. calling everywhere I possibly could to see if anyone had heard from her, seen her, if she'd stopped by. Um, and I actually called her pharmacy, and they stated that she had picked up her medications um, hmm. the day before she had actually disappeared. Wow. And um, so that makes, of course, all of her medication ready and available. <laughs> right, right, right. And, this is gonna, and the listeners will find out this, this could be very relevant uh, later. Okay, so, on, so your understanding is on December 6th, she went to wherever her pharmacy was and got this refill. Okay. Let's move on to December 7th, 2015, the accepted disappearance date uh, for Judith. And what do you know about that day? Of course, you were not there. You've probably had to find out some of these things from other people. But, um, for example, just some questions that are in the outline. What do you know about that day? Did your mother have plans to do anything that day? And you've also told me that Jenny and Sonny Underwood were actually out of town on this date. What can you say about all of that? Um, so I don't know a whole lot, as you said, that 
people have not told me because mm-hmm. um, I did not talk to her that day. Yeah. Um, however, I am aware that she did have plans to actually see her friend in Sanford that we were just speaking of that was helping her with the apartment. Yeah. Um, but she never made it there. And um, as far as Sunny and Jenny being out of town, um, Sunny did have a doctor's appointment that morning, and it was confirmed that they were at that appointment. So I do have that information. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and do you know if she was going to see this friend of hers, uh, was that going to be like a morning appointment or an afternoon appointment? Um, I honestly don't remember. Okay. That's that's fine. And was this a day, December seventh, where you might have tried to have called her on? I, I don't have it written in my notes what day of the week that was. Maybe you were headed to work. Maybe you weren't. But did you try calling your mother that day and couldn't reach her? Um, I do remember I was working that day, um, and I do remember trying to call her on the way to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom did have headaches, um, migraines. Mm-hmm. and there were times that she wouldn't answer, and if she didn't, we just knew that she would call back whenever she was awake or um, feeling better, so I didn't think anything of it, really. Okay. Uh, did this woman who she was supposed to meet when your mother didn't show up, were there any indications that this woman tried to call your mother? Did she try to call you, tried to call your sister, just to try to find out, hey, Judith didn't show up. Have you Did that anything like that happen on that day? on that day, to your knowledge? She did not try to contact me or my sister, mm-hmm. uh, but as far as um, my aunt, I can't be sure. I've never really thought about that, to be honest. Okay. Um, I'm sure it's been asked before, but as far as my memory goes, it's not, it's not there. <laughs> okay, that's totally fine. All right, so just to go over this timeline a, a little bit for the listeners, what we've talked about so far, she gets her prescription on December 6th, and then the next day, she is supposed to uh, meet this friend of hers who is helping her move into this new place. Of course, Judith doesn't show up. And you tried to call your mother, but she didn't answer. Jenny and Sonny, I guess, were in town, being that they were going to a doctor's appointment. Have they ever stated if they saw your mother that morning of December 7th, you know, before they left? Um. I apologize because I, I don't know all mm-hmm. of the details again. Yeah. Um, the police, of course, have all of that. Okay. Um, so I, I don't want to say yes or no because I honestly don't know. Okay. I, uh, my guess, my experience is that if they had said something, you probably you would know it by now. If this was like a newer disappearance, like it was like a year and a half old, that might be a little different. Mm-hmm. But being this is over seven years... Um, the information is probably out there somewhere, but uh, if you don't know a question when I ask it, totally fine. That's don't feel bad about that, Taylor. That that's just something that maybe we, you, I, we uh, need to look into further. Okay, so when do you start realizing maybe that something is not right? Of course, you tried calling her on December seventh. You don't reach her. She doesn't call you back. Maybe you left her a message. Maybe you didn't. But you. She didn't call you back. You didn't hear from her. When did you start thinking, you know, this is uh, out, outside of the norm? Um, well, honestly, I was working that whole afternoon, and um, I did try to call her a couple other times, and she still didn't answer. Hmm. And I did leave her a couple messages. Um, but, I, again, I didn't really think anything was wrong. 
um, only because it was normal for her not to answer, but she would call back later. However, while I was at work, um, Jenny had actually reached out to me through Facebook and um, had asked if I had heard anything from my mother and asked me to give her a call. And, of course, I did. And um, that's when she had explained that my mom had not come home, that no one had heard from her. And, of course, everything went downhill from me. All right. So this is actually on December 7th that Jenny Underwood called you and said, you know what, we don't know where your mother is. Yeah, so she, again, she reached out mm -hmm. um, through Facebook and had me call her um, yeah. and said that she had not been home, that right. uh, no one had heard from her, and mm -hmm. um, she asked if I had talked to her, if I had seen anything or heard anything, mm -hmm. and um, of course, with me being at work, I did try to call my mom again several times after that, and I got no response. Okay. Do you remember what time of day uh, that Jenny actually messaged uh, messaged you on Facebook, approximately? Um, I know it was around nine or nine thirty. I was working retail at the time, and we were getting ready to close when all of this was going on. Oh, okay. Um, I remember it was pretty late. All right. So when you say nine thirty, you mean nine thirty p.m. at night? It would have been dark by then. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. All yes, right. Sir. Just making sure you understand, we understand that. So 9.30 at night, Jenny's messaging you saying, you know what? It's 9.30 at night, and your mother's usually here by now, and she's not here. And, um, and so you tried to call her. People start looking for her. And, of course, Judith uh, is never seen again. And, of course, the understanding is that her car is not there either, which we will eventually get to. So moving then to December 8th in the next few days, what are some of the things that you remember uh, that went on? Um, I remember specifically um, the police doing searches around the house for her. Um, and also I called every place in person I could think of to see if they had heard from her, heard from her or talked mm. to her um, at all. And... Of course, most of it is a blur considering all of that. It's, it's a lot of adrenaline. It's a lot of emotion and stuff. So Absolutely. Um, the main thing I just remember is trying to find her. Um, and I do remember also that it was supposed to snow within the next few days of when um, she disappeared. Yeah. And that being on my mind, of course, did not help. So. No, of course. Of course, it makes things even more difficult. Uh, how did the police get involved? I, I should ask you that. Be, that being that you remember the police showing up and filling out a report, who was the person who contacted the police uh, first? Um, so I did actually speak with my sister about this, and um, we agreed that it would be best for Jenny Underwood to actually contact the police mm -hmm. because she was living there. Yeah. Um, and so Jenny was the one that called the police for us and did the report and everything. Okay. And in, and in those days, those hours, were real, I realize, frantic, frantic. I, I, I got it. Uh, when you spoke to Jenny, and of course she's calling you saying, I mean, that's, I guess that's what's probably supposed to do. You know, you have a roommate that's not home by a certain time. You expect them to be there. You expect them, somebody to reach out, especially to the daughter of that missing person. Did Jenny have, at the time when you two spoke, did she have any idea where Judith could be? Did she ever ever offer up a theory? Or maybe your, 
her husband too. Did Sonny ever offer up a theory at that time in those first day or first hours? Um, not that I'm aware of. Um, I don't recall anything like that happening. Mm -hmm. Of course, with it being so frantic, I think we were all just trying to contact as many people as we could and, Mm -hmm. um, of course, go from there. Okay. All right, so it gets to December 8th. She's not around. The police get involved. They start looking around. Um... And you know how big of a we'll get to the part. I mean, of, of course, your mother's car is eventually found. We're going to get to that. But at the time when these searches were done, do you do you have an understanding of how many people were involved? Were they like using a helicopter or dogs, anything like that? Um, they did have a helicopter and um, a couple dogs. Not as many as um, have been used in other searches since then. And as mm. far as how many people were there. I am not 100% sure how many, but there were several um, mm-hmm. that were there trying to help find her and get some kind of closure for us. Right. And how long, how many days would you say these searches lasted? I realize not they're not out there 24-7, 24 hours, 7 days a week. But how many days would you say they tried to look for your mother before they kind of uh, closed up shop because they weren't sure what to do next? <coughs> Um, it feels like it wasn't long at all. Um, yeah, it's possible. I think it was, I, yeah, I know that for sure it was at least a couple days, um, and then they found my mom's car, mm-hmm. um, and once they found her car, they kind of, I felt like they stopped searching the area around the house, mm-hmm. um, and then actually went to another location, um, where her phone had pinged search there as well and did not find anything as well okay we're going to get into a little bit more of that so you would say then that Sonny and jenny were um my understanding is Sonny and jenny where they were all living that they were renting the place Sonny and jenny yes all right so they didn't own the house they didn't own the property but so that property got searched correct yes sir mm-hmm. okay all right, so let's move on to this. You already mentioned uh, that your mother's car was eventually found. How many days later was it found? Who found it? Where was it? What can you say about it? Um, it was maybe two days after um, while they were doing their searches around the house where she was living. Mm-hmm. And um, it just happened to be one of the people that were helping search for her came across the car. Um, it was only a couple houses down from where she was staying uh, with the Underwoods, hidden behind a house that was vacant at the time. Um, hmm. And it was locked, no keys or anything like that. It was just hidden behind the house with some bushes. And luckily they came upon it and went from there. Huh, so it wasn't like miles away. It was like maybe, what, a quarter mile away, less than a mile away. Yes, yeah, so it was hmm. within walking distance. Wow. Okay. And in your opinion, being that you know the area and maybe you've even been to the spot where your mother's car was, would you say that it was parked there in a way to hide it from people like going down that road, in your opinion? Yes, definitely. Okay. Uh, Anything unusual about the car? Uh, Was it wrecked? Was anything missing in it? Any windows broken? 
Any anything necessarily unusual about it? Uh, there was no damage to the vehicle. Um, I do know that it was locked and the keys were not there. Hmm. Um, and then as far as inside the vehicle, the seat for the driver was pushed far enough back to where uh, my mother, who was very close in height with me, I'm 5'5", five five, uh-huh. um, there's no way she could have touched the, uh, the pedals wow. to operate that vehicle. Okay, that's certainly something. Okay, and what kind of car is this? It is a Pontiac G6. I know those cars. Okay. So, um, what and what uh, did they do forensics on it? Did they do any fingerprints or anything like that? Do you even know? Yes, they did. Um, they dusted the entire vehicle, searched for blood. Um, mm-hmm. The fingerprints were a little inconclusive only because um, I do know for a fact that my mother... And I learned this, of course, as the details of this have come out, mm-hmm. um, that my mother had let uh, Timothy Hales borrow his, her vehicle before. Excuse me, before. Okay. Um, so the fingerprints were in the vehicle anyway, so the fingerprints were really inconclusive um, okay. for their investigation. Okay. Uh, since 2015, have you ever heard that there were fingerprints found in the car? that could not be connected to anybody? No, I have not. Never heard anything like that. Okay. And you said that it was locked, and so did they have to get other keys for it or something to get inside of it? Um, I believe they called a locksmith, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, um, yeah. or used whatever reference or resources they have for the police to get into the vehicle. Okay. And what happened to the vehicle eventually? Um, I did actually go to the vehicle uh, once they were finished with their investigation with it and mm. got the belongings out of it. Um, and on another note with the vehicle, she had actually purchased Christmas presents that I was aware of that were supposed to be in the vehicle. Um, and those presents were missing as well. So whoever had taken the car, driven the car, knew that those were in there, took them out, they were never seen Seen again as well. Never seen again. Do you even know what some of those things were? Um, I do know that she had bought herself some pots and pans for um, her new apartment, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had bought my boyfriend and I some towels for our new apartment because I was getting ready to move out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither one of those things were in the vehicle. All gone. They were all gone. Yes, all sir. gone. All right. And uh, do you think that she was keeping them in the car because she was afraid, like you said before, people going into a room and taking things? Um, I think it was a mixture of that. And then also um, she had been shopping for Christmas, so she mm-hmm. hadn't had a chance to take them out. Um, and then also with her moving, she most likely just left them in there mm-hmm. um, instead of having to put them in one place and then put them right back in the car. Okay. Being that you are from that area, you've been to this area where the car was, uh, the surrounding area to search, uh, difficult to search, wooded, open, mountains, flat, how would you how would you explain it to the listeners, that area? Um, it's definitely wooded. Um, there's a lot of deer hunters and things like that, um, and it's very difficult to search. So that area that she was living in, 
um, has a lot of blueberry fields and bushes around, um, mm-hmm. and there's not really any mountains or hills or anything like that. It's just a lot of woods. Okay. Now I'll ask you, I realized that you were, I, I don't think that you're a medical professional, but given your mother's um, injury, you've even talked about her getting a knee replacement surgery, although knee replacements, people can go back to walking completely normal, but it doesn't sound like that's what happened with your mother. How far would you say, if she parked the car there herself, how far could she walk without her having to stop until she had to stop? Um, probably, I would say maybe like five, six hundred feet at the most before she had to stop. Um, and the reason being is the, the knee injury did also deteriorate her hip. Uh Um, so she was having, um, problems walking not only from her knee, but then of course the reciprocations of that for her hip as well. Okay. All right, thank you. So that's something for the listeners to think about as well. Now, as far as your mother's possessions, you already talked about these Christmas presents are missing, the keys are missing. What other items are missing? What about, did she have a purse or a bag of some kind? Did she have her phone? What can you say about those things? Are they missing as well? Uh, Yes, so she did carry a purse, and she always kept her medication in her purse. Um, She always had her phone with her, and uh, Mm -hmm. also the keys. All of them are missing. They've never been found. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm really not sure what happened to them, but hopefully we'll find out one day. (laughs) Okay, so they're still missing. She's missing, and those items are missing, along with the Christmas presents, the towels, the pots and pans. Yes. Okay. You mentioned earlier, uh, regarding the phone being that it's missing, that there was a ping uh, of her phone out at a place called White Lake, and I think I will be doing a, a map video for YouTube just to explain some of these locations. But can you explain to the listeners how close White Lake is to where she was living, to where her car was found? Uh, does White Lake have any significance to her or to anybody around her? Um, so White Lake is um, definitely a popular spot for a lot of families. It was about a 10-minute drive, if that, to get to White Lake from her house that she was staying in, Um, and of course her car at the same time, and Mm -hmm. it was definitely something that she would have to pass if she wanted to go um, really anywhere to get to Elizabethtown, which is the closest place, Um, and then also there was a convenience store right there by the lake that I know that she would go to to get cigarettes and things like that, Mm -hmm. so... It was definitely somewhere that she would be. Okay. Do you know when this ping occurred? I do not know the exact date. Okay. So, I, I believe it was the 7th, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. All right. So it was, we think it'd be the 7th. Wasn't the 8th, wasn't the 9th, wasn't the 10th. Uh, probably the 7th. And how far is White Lake from where she lived? Uh, it's about an eight to ten minute drive. Okay. Okay, and all right, and you already explained she might go near there if she's going for cigarettes and for other things. But that is the last known paying of her phone. Any there's no to your knowledge, once again, police can withhold things like this, but to your knowledge, that's the last ping from her phone. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Were any searches done out there looking for her phone, like in the water, anything like that, to your knowledge? Um, so they did not search the lake, only because it is a, um, it, the ping was more so at a hog farm um, across the streets from Wild Lake than the actual lake itself. Okay. Well, let's move on to this. Uh, of course, we can't forget about Timothy, and uh, he was sometimes stayed at the Underwoods. And you said that once in a while maybe he would uh, use your mother's vehicle. But he had a story, and uh, what was his story for December 7th of 2015, and how did you find out about this story? Um, so his story was that he had asked my mother uh, to take him to his mother's house, which is where he was actually residing at the time. Um, and from what I understand, I had told her that his truck was not running, um, that it was broke down. And, um, of course, my mom being the way that she is, um, he said that she agreed to take him home. And that was pretty much the last thing that I've heard from that. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, I heard this from the police. Once they did the interview with him, they let us know what his story was. And um, that's pretty okay. much it. <laughs> okay. So when you uh, – so you're understanding. Once again, I realize you weren't there. I think there's maybe a reason to not believe the story. But anyway, so he's saying that his truck was actually broken down at the Underwoods, right? All right, and so he wanted to go home. He asked her for a ride. And what he's saying is, yes, she drove me home. She left. I never saw her again. Yes. Okay. Is there any proof that his truck was broken down that day? Um, from what the police have said, they did check the truck, and the truck is in working or was in working condition. Mm -hmm. um, and... From what I understand and the way that they have put it is that um, he must have came back to the house, got in his truck, and drove off because the truck was not there um, whenever they came to do the report. All right. So either he's got somebody else to take him to get some parts or the truck magically fixed itself. Yes, sir. Regarding Timothy's story, um, did uh, the police try to verify it? Did they go speak to his mother? Did they maybe go talk to any of his friends to find out if his truck really was broken down? Anything like that, to your knowledge? Have the police ever told you anything like that? Um, I know they have interviewed his mother, but I don't know if they've asked about the truck situation. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if they actually did a, like an investigation on the truck to see if it was in working order or not. Mm -hmm. Um so I'm not 100% sure. I just know that the truck was not there. Um, mm -hmm. So it must have been running at that time. Okay. Uh, what about uh, where the Underwoods live? Are, are there ne like next-door neighbors? Is there anybody that lives across the street? Or is it like out in the country where all the houses are a little spread out? Maybe you can explain that, you know, if anybody might have seen anything from that day. Um, so they actually live off of a dirt road. It's a pretty long dirt road um, that has... Uh, blueberry field around it and there are several houses kind of scattered 
around the area. Um, they were close enough together that, of course, they would know um, if anything was going on or anything like that. And um, as far as if anyone has seen anything, of course, no one's come forward or said anything. So, um, unfortunately, I don't have that advantage to my my uh, threshold here. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this. Now, we should also say, uh, regarding things that are missing, is that, of course, we have these Christmas presents. We have her phone. We have uh, her purse. What about this prescription that she got filled the day before? Were those pills, that medication, was that ever tracked down? Um, it was never recovered. Um, again, she did carry her pills um, in her purse mm, because okay. of the fact that she didn't want people to get a hold of them and mm -hmm. um, take any of them or something like that. So she would have them with her. So they um, disappeared with her, unfortunately. Okay, so she, like for me, I live by myself. I take cholesterol medication and some vitamin D and some things. For me, I don't carry that stuff with me unless I, of course, go on a trip for some days. They're just right here at home. But what you're saying is with her, she would take those things with her because of the situation or living situation. Um, it was a mixture of the living situation. Mm. And then also she never really knew when she would need one. Mm. Um, so she had them with her at all times. And okay. she's been like that for years that I can remember. Okay. Thank you. Uh, there is an allegation though. I don't know uh, what we're to make of this, but you did tell me in a prior conversation that uh, you, you know, I'll need to, for you to say kind of where you got, you heard this from, but uh, after she went missing with Timothy selling pills on the street somewhere. Um, I did actually get a comment from the investigator, the detective that was on the case, that mm -hmm. they had actually interviewed... Um, I believe it was the girlfriend of Timothy at the time, and she stated that she had seen him with um, an amount and description of pills that would match the ones that were my mother's. Is that right? Okay. All right, and did Timothy have a reputation for selling pills illegally in the area? Does he have a criminal record? He does have a criminal record. Um if I remember correctly, he is not only addicted, but he would also sell them to get money. Okay. But we should go back to something, though, I think that's important, that when you, of course, when you were speaking to your mother every day, did Timothy's name ever even come up? Not that I recall. Um, okay. I honestly didn't know anything about him until all of this started. Okay, you didn't you never heard Timothy's name until after your mother went missing. Yes. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about Jenny and Sonny. Of course, it's their place, although it's not technically their place. They were living there. They're renting, and your mother moved in, and she lived with them for a year. Of course, they're the ones who were friends with Sonny as well, but... An allegation that Judith, your mother, who is missing, and Sonny had a thing going on. Where did this even come from? And in fact, you, after your mother went missing, you and Jenny had a kind of run-in. What can you say about all of that? Um, as far as the um, situation with my mother and Sonny, um, I had heard from my mother and um, 
my aunt also heard this from my mother as well, that Jenny was trying to say that Sonny and my mother had a thing going on, that they were sleeping together, um, Mm -hmm. which, of course, was not the case. And I did speak with my mom about that. Um, She's never looked at Sonny in that way, and she would never, of course, do anything like that to Jenny with her being her friend and all. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was more so of a... It was more so just Jenny kind of coming at my mom and making up stories and causing trouble more than actual facts. Um, And as far as um, her attitude towards me, the day that I had a run-in with her was um, when we went to actually get her possessions out of the room that she was staying in in their house, my mother's thing. I had called her before we got there and... She claimed that she knew nothing about us coming, although I had the police notify her um, because I would, of course, not speak with her at this at this point in the uh, timeline. Um, I actually had the police contact her, let her know that we were coming um, so no questions would be raised. Everything would be fine. Um, But she did actually try to say that she knew nothing about it, that she did not want us there, and then also went into saying that my sister and I were terrible daughters to my mother, um, that we didn't deserve to come and get any of the things out of her house, and it was, it was a lot of, wow. it was a lot of nasty comments that were made that day. Wow. Where did, where do you think that all came from? Taylor, now looking back on it seven years later, where do you think that all came from? Um, I I do have, of course, some regrets um, of not seeing my mom as much as I should have. Um, but I honestly, I think it was just her way of letting out her anger towards the situation and mm-hmm. maybe what she knows that doesn't she doesn't want to tell us or... It was just some kind of build-up anger that she just decided to let out on me. And, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I got the bad end of that deal. So. <laughs> okay. Did she ever apologize to you? No, she did not. Okay. Would you say, uh, what have you learned about Jenny and Sonny when it comes to them talking to the police? Would you say, is your impression that they've been cooperative or they've been um, evasive? What is your impression? What have you been told? Um, I've been told they've been very cooperative as far as um, if they need to go in and do any uh, questioning or, um, for instance, they had Sonny come in and do a lie detector test to try to get uh, Timothy Hales to do one. And, of course, Sonny was willing to go in and do that and had it done. Um, So they've been cooperative from the beginning. It's just Mm -hmm. a matter of do you know something or do you not know something? Have Jenny or Sonny ever said that, yes, it's true, uh, Timothy's truck was broken down at our place that day? Do you know if they've ever told the police that? Have they backed up Timothy's story? I do not believe that they have ever said that. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know exactly what they said because I've never heard the interview. Um, But I've never been told that that's what they've said. Okay. Your understanding about their uh, connection to Timothy now, of course, they, he, we have to remember, maybe we should have pointed this out, 
Timothy, uh, quite a bit younger than your mother, right? Yes. Like 20 years younger? Yeah. Okay. And so he was a son to, kind of like a son to Jenny and Sonny. Uh, do you happen to know what their connection is these days? Do they still all hang out, or has there been a falling out? Do you even know? I don't know of a recent um, connection or relationship with them, um, but I do know that they have said that they would have nothing else to do with them. Um, that was actually the day, uh, the day that we had went to get my mother's possessions out of the house. Um, after everything has been packed up and everything, we actually talked to them in the living room for a few minutes, and they said that they did not want anything else to do with him, and that he would not be coming around the house anymore. Um, and of course, that was about six years ago, so I'm not sure if things have changed since then, but um, as of okay. then, they wanted nothing else to do with him. Okay. We talked a little bit about the searches. Of course, we talked about the search maybe around White Lake. We talked about the, the property that Sonny and Jenny were on. What about the property where Timothy was actually living with his mother? Do you know if uh, that property has been searched? Because I think you told me before that they were renting as well, so somebody else owned the property. What do you know about searching that area? Um, the police did search the area. Um when my mother excuse me, when my mother disappeared. Um, mm -hmm. However, recently I've had a um, nonprofit organization called Q. Yeah. Um, get involved. Yeah. And they have been amazing. Um, they actually searched around the house as well, and the next search that they will be doing is around the uh, property that Timothy was staying at at the time. Um, they actually got the authorization and everything to search that area um, already, so we're just waiting on a date now. Excellent. Now, did you tell me Sonny and Jenny do not live there at, at where your mother lived anymore? They moved? Um, no, they still live they there. They still live there. They still live in the same place where your mother was living? Yes. All right, and what about Timothy and his mother? Do they still live in the same place, or have they moved? Um, when I spoke to the detective at the last search in November, um, they had moved from that residence. Okay. All right. Now, you'd said before that uh, Timothy was, uh, that Sonny took a lie detector test, and, but Timothy was also asked to take one, and what happened? The detective had asked that um, TJ, or Timothy, Mm -hmm. um, if he would take a lie detector test, and Timothy said, well, if Sonny will take one, then I'll take one. And, of course, the detective called Sonny and said, hey, can you come in and do a lie detector test? And Sonny was happy to do that, came in, did the lie detector test. And um, when it came time for Timothy to do his, he said, no, I'm not doing that, and declined it. Wow. Okay. Now, something else uh, regarding Timothy and his mother. Do their stories, the way you understand it, I realize you haven't spoken to Timothy. I doubt you've spoken to his mother, so this is information you're getting from others, most likely the police. But do Timothy's story and his mother's story match up for that December 7th of 2015, your understanding? Uh, my understanding, they do not. Um, 
I've been told there's a few discrepancies in their story, and um, every time they interview them, it changes in some way. Okay. Now, you did say that Timothy has a girlfriend, yeah, or he had a girlfriend at the time? So, yes. All right. Um, do you know if she was questioned, and do you know here in 2023, or, by the way, uh, for everybody, we're doing this interview on February 15th, 2023. Do you know if Timothy and this woman are still together, and was she questioned back at the time in 2015? Um, she is no longer with him, um, mm -hmm. and, um, she was questioned at the time, Okay. and, um, of course, that's how they found out about the pills and things like that as well. All right. Okay, but she cannot offer any more insight in that to December 7th. Um, the only other thing that I was aware of with her is yeah. um, it was a unfortunate thing, actually. Um, her mother owns a crematory not far from the house that I grew up in. Huh. Um, so that has been a point of investigation with police, of course. And um, they have all the records and everything from that. Um, I've even been shown a couple of them as far as the diagrams that they have in the uh, case file. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it looks like a crazy jumbled mess to me. <laughs> okay. Um, but they did try to assure me that that was not an option, that they did all the investigating they can, and it shows no unauthorized um, cremations being done. And this was, a con this was a conversation you and I had before uh, a few weeks ago, Taylor. Uh, is there such a thing? Uh, I mean, if you own a funeral home that has a crematorium in it, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if all of them do or not, um, but... Uh, could not somebody, if they own a funeral home, just not start burning something at like three in the morning without anybody knowing? I mean, but that's kind of what I we did have that conversation, um, mm -hmm. the detectives and I, yeah. Um, and they they did try to assure me that, um, they had no way of actually doing that with the, the um, computer system, the machines that they have mm -hmm. to use, mm -hmm. um. But with me not knowing how that works, of course, my mind still goes off and says, well, that's still a possibility. Yeah. Um, and again, with it being down the road, probably about five minutes from where I grew up in the house that I grew up in, it's mm -hmm. very disturbing. And how far was this funeral home, funeral home from where your mother lived? Um, it was about 45 minutes. All right, so not close. We also have to figure into all of this, you know, I don't, you know, the tough part we have here is that Jenny and Sonny were home seemingly on December 6th into December 7th, but they've never stated whether they saw your mother on the morning of December 7th or not before they left, have they? I do not remember if they did or not. Okay. Um, Right. The only thing I do remember is that uh, they said that her door was normally locked and shut, mm -hmm. um, as well as the back door, and neither one of those were locked or shut whenever they got home. Okay, so I guess what we're saying here is we might have to be open to the idea that your mother's disappearance date even might be late on December 6th. It's possible, right? 
Yes. So there's been a, a few um, questions as far as the date goes mm-hmm. because we don't know the whole story. Um, so yeah. it has been difficult to keep up with the dates, not only because it's been seven years, but yeah. also because there's some holes in the story. Right. Right, it's just hard to under, understand. How did it, of course, I don't know if anybody really is believing Timothy's story about his truck anyway, but mm-hmm. you would think if they're going that morning, of course, maybe your mother's a late sleeper. I am too. And they might have just thought she was there if her door was shut or something. Uh, just didn't see her. Maybe she's still in bed and they just never thought more any more of it. That's certainly possible. She could have been there. She could have not been there. But you'd think if Jenny and Sonny were leaving, they would have seen her car there. But we don't know have any information regarding that, do we? Um, I am not sure. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I don't think I've ever asked that question. Okay, um, well, I have, it has slipped my mind. So. Okay. It just seems to me, once again, my experience, Taylor, and the listeners know, uh, you know, we've covered over 280 disappearances. That if her car would have been there on that morning that Sonny and Je- uh, Jenny left for him to go to the doctor, if that's ex- what happened, I think they would have said by now, I think this would be known information. Well, her car was there. You know oh, that, yeah, you know that, you know, you'd think, you'd think. Yeah. Being that that hasn't been a topic of conversation kind of leads me to believe that her car was not there when they left. And maybe, you know, they may be totally innocent in this, and I, I hope they are, but they might have been thinking, well, she must have left earlier before we left, and... Because we have to remember, she was the one that contacted you late that day, asking where your mother is, which is usually a sign of innocence, I have to tell you. So... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We... We as a family, of course, have toyed back and forth with both options as far as being innocent and not um when it comes to them and it's just um it's been difficult i can't lie (laughs) right well let's talk about uh, yeah let's talk about that of course it's been seven years um and you know please explain how how this has been for you and for your sister who i've not spoken to but maybe you can speak for her as well um so the best way that i always put it um if i'm talking to someone about this is um it's a nightmare which i'm sure people that have lost or have people in their families or loved ones friends that have people or i'm sorry people that have family and loved ones that are missing can understand that when it is a nightmare usually you can pinch yourself and wake yourself back up but this unfortunately you can't wake up from and it affects everything Um, my sister has had a child um, without my mother being here I actually have had a wedding um, and she was not there I did have the opportunity to have her help me pick out um, my wedding dress before she disappeared which I am thankful for but there's a lot of things that I'll have to go through in my life without her and being a mother's girl or a mama's girl I should say um, it's been very hard and not only is it hard to deal with but also there's not a whole lot of people that understand how to talk about this stuff and um, know what to say so it makes you feel even more alone um, 
yeah. than just not having that person there. It's even worse knowing that you can't just go and talk to someone because someone doesn't understand. Um, and there's been a lot of instances where people say the wrong thing or something that ultimately does hurt my feelings or rubs me the wrong way um, without them knowing it. And it just, again, comes from them not knowing what to do or say in that situation. That's right. Um, so it's been, it's been very difficult, to mm, say the yeah. least, but right. mainly just a nightmare. Maybe uh, I should ask you a little, a little bit more about the phone. Of course, we talked about the ping information, but what about our actual like texting and calling information? Uh, have the have the police got those records? Um, would you be able to get them? Of course, now it's over seven years. That might be a little difficult, but still, uh, do you think they made they got her records just to see if she spoke to anybody late on the sixth or early on the seventh? Do you know anything um, about yes, that? They- Yes, they did get her phone records, um, and the last call that was made from her phone was to my aunt Loretta, mm-hmm. um, and my aunt did not pick up the phone. Um, it actually looks like there's been a, a little bit of discrepancy um, as far as if there was a voicemail left or not. Mm-hmm. Um, my aunt says that she never received one, but the record shows that there was one left, and um Unfortunately, with my aunt not knowing or remembering if she had a voicemail, we don't have any mm. more information about that. Okay. Do you know when that call was made? Um, it was made... Oh, what day was it? Everything blurs together. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, was uh, I'll just ask um, you, was it late? Like, for example, she got this prescription on the 6th. Do you think it was after she got the prescription on the 6th, or was it actually possibly the morning of the 7th, let's say at like 7 in the morning or something? If I remember, again, this is coming from the police and what mm-hmm. they've seen in her records, it was the day that we think that she disappeared, so the 7th. It was the 7th. Okay. Yeah. But the issue is that your aunt doesn't ever remember getting a call, no voicemails, so it could have been anybody using her phone, right? Yes. It could have been anybody. Okay. Uh, do you have a Facebook page or website, anything like that, set up for your mother's disappearance, Taylor? If you do, why don't you tell the audience about it right now? Um, I do have a Facebook page. Um, it's called Help Find Judith Severs with a hyphen and then her last name, Hyder. Um, anyone can go on and see any of the posts or links that I put on there, pictures are on there as well. Um, any kind of information that I can put out, I do post on there. Um, um, and there are some news articles as well, um, if you're interested. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you manage that? Uh, all of that? Do you manage that page? Are you the administrator? Yes, I do. I take mm-hmm. care of all of that. Okay. And uh, listeners should know, uh, Judith, if you were to go, for example, to NamUs, you will see the name Judith Devers Hyder. Devers is your mother's maiden name, and Hyder is her her married name. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Okay. And her middle name is? Ann. All right. Judith Ann Devers Hyder is her official name. Okay. Any final words before we complete this interview, Taylor? Um, I just really want to thank you for your time and reaching out to uh, my family and I about this. 
Um, as I'm sure a lot of families know, everything that you can do is definitely helpful in this situation. And after it being seven years, people have forgot about it. So any way that we can get it out there, we appreciate it more than you know. You're very welcome. I have to give credit to my assistant, Emily, who uh, originally uh, reached out to you. And uh, it's uh, Emily's been with me a, a long time. It's going to be like six years as an assistant, I think, coming up in April and May. And she's very good at what she does. So I'm glad you had a good experience uh, with her when she reached out to you originally. And then she passed you, uh, you along to me. So uh, thank you for saying that. And uh, we're happy to do it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. She was she was amazing. So yeah, I, I like I like Emily a lot. Yes, that's true. I like Emily a lot. She does a great job. I was very fortunate for her to come on board way back in 2017 when she did as an assistant. I cannot thank her enough. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much. I again, I appreciate everything that you're doing and all the time. So. Hopefully this ha- helps find some answers and gets all the information out there for everybody. You're very welcome. And that was my February 15th, 2023 interview with Taylor Andrews, youngest daughter of Judith Hyder. I thank Taylor for appearing on this episode. As stated in the interview, I've produced a map analysis video that can now be found on Unfound's YouTube channel. It isn't as long as the Bowman one from last week, but it is just as important. I'm fairly sure that everybody is going to be concentrating on Timothy Hales and his story from that day. It certainly is convenient. He would not be the first man who lured a woman in by pretending that his car has broken down. But I will play devil's advocate for the rest of this episode. First, we must remember how sometimes witnesses get dates wrong. Could it be that Judith drove him home on a completely different day? Second, there's the problem of Ginny and Sonny never stating whether they saw Judith's car when they left that December 7th morning to go to the doctor. This is a very understated part of this disappearance. What if Judith's car wasn't there? And either way, can Sonny and Jenny be believed? Third, what is also unclear is if Timothy would have known that Sonny and Jenny weren't going to be home that day. If in fact, Timothy is the best suspect and had planned this out sometime before December 7th. My fourth and final point is that Judith, not in any conversation she ever had with anybody who we would trust, ever said she had a problem with Timothy. In fact, his name never came up, period. The problems Judith had were with Jenny and Sonny, hence the reason Judith was getting her own place. And we can't forget the hard time Jenny gave Taylor when Taylor went over there to get her mother's things. But paradoxically, Jenny was the one who messaged Judith's family, whereas Timothy didn't want to take a polygraph. But these are the kinds of quandaries that you experience when you study disappearances in the friend zone.
If you'd like to read or hear more of what I have to say about Judas' disappearance, please sign up at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. I'll leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.